about a mob mentality, <clears throat> and I picked the account of Barabbas to discuss that. Now, in your Bibles, that account shows up four times. Uh, I had Brother uh, James read the account from Matthew 27 to save uh, a little bit of time during the preaching, but you'll also find it in Mark 15, Luke 23, and at the end of John 18 and at the beginning of John 19. I will be reading John 18 and 19 simply for expediency's sake, but I would encourage you to go home and read those other three too also. <clears throat> now, what I would like you to do is you realize that when you read the gospel, <coughs> excuse me, when you read the gospel, you'll, you'll notice that it's, it's very important to read all four gospels. I'll give you an example. There are some details that go on about Barabbas' imprisonment that you're only going to find in Mark 15. There are some details about when Jesus is being tried by Pilate, that Pilate interrogated him, passed him off to Herod, and then Herod found him innocent and passed him back to Pilate. That's only in Luke. So if you miss Luke's account, you're going to miss that whole thing right there. It doesn't mean that there's errors in the Bible. Like any witness that gives an account, that witness will give some details, another one will give some more details, and to get the whole story, you have to read all four. I'm going to try to do that in a way where I don't just absolutely overwhelm you with details, but at the same time, I want you to know those details are important. That's the fine line a preacher tries to balance. Now, <clears throat> The subject, I've, I've, I've looked at this subject before in years past, you know, it's been at least a decade, but again, I've looked at this subject before, but what I want to focus in is the mob rule. Now, when I, the reason why I'm only going to read John's account here before you is that the one that really stresses this mob and how it actually worked. Now, think about it. <clears throat> As we read it, I want you to try to pay attention to this. The Jews, in their hypocrisy, came very early in the morning to Pilate. Right? And, and we'll deal with that in a second. But they came very early in the morning. But when they got and they knocked on Pilate's door, they said, well, we cannot defile ourselves because this is the preparation day for the Passover Sabbath. And we can't walk into the judgment hall, so we will defile ourselves. So what happens is they show up on the door, and they won't step in there, but they'll yell from the porch. You know how silly that is? But, so you've got to see, Jesus is sitting in a chair. Pilate is talking to him in the judgment hall. After he gets the information, he walks out to the porch and he talks to the Pharisees. You got it? And then he's got to go back, and he's got to talk to Jesus. But I want to add one more layer to that. The multitudes. See, the multitudes, when, when the Pharisees and the, and the scribes were working on Jesus and doing all their wrangling, the multitudes were in bed. And when they showed up 6 o'clock in the morning... At Pilate's door, they were just getting up. Got it? 
So what happened was, is this crowd was building all day long. When they showed up six o'clock the first time, there was no crowd there. And then what happened was, is Pilate sent them to Herod. Herod sent them back. So it's now later in the morning, and the priests are on the porch because they wouldn't go inside. And all the multitudes are going to town, getting ready for the preparation for the Sabbath, which is the Sabbath, the Passover Sabbath, which is going to be the very next day. So this crowd is slowly building. But I want you to realize this crowd never saw Jesus. And they never heard Jesus. All they got was what Jesus told Pilate, and Pilate told the priest, and the priest turned around and told the mob. Do you understand when they scream, crucify him? Do you see how far removed they are from the actual source? That's the way mobs work. You got it? So, any similarities similarities to our current political session is just a coincidence. Okay? No intentions meant here. You can go any way you want with that. All right. He's a brother Dolph. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, so what I would like to do is I want to look at this particular account from four perspectives. I want to look at it from the perspectives of the priests. And even they, I believe, had a mob mentality. Because when I look and I see some of these priests, especially if you go to your Bible and you look at uh, like John 12, verse 42... It says, many of the Pharisees believed on him, but were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. And Nicodemus was there, and he went to him by night, and he was one of them that even defended Jesus in a couple of their meetings, and he was there too. Why didn't these priests say anything when we go through all these hypocrisies? Because they were bullied. Okay? And then, when we get... We want to look at it from Pilate's perspective. I want to look at it from Barabbas' perspective, and he really knew very little. And then I want to look at it from the multitude's perspective, and neither did they know anything either. Matter of fact, if you said, who's that guy in there? What do you know about him? I don't know. All I know is he healed people and he fed people. So why are you yelling, crucify him? Because that's what they told me to say. Do you understand? Can we be bold enough to not ever get sucked up into a crowd like that? I hope we can. Okay? Josiah, this message is for you because I know you had a rough year last year. And you did this very thing, and I'm very thankful for you and your boldness. Okay? So this message is for you as you go into the next year. All right. So with that being said, let's go to John's account. And I want to read John's account. And if you have your Bibles, you can come with me. You can, you can look at up, up here. But this is uh, John 18, and I want to start reading at verse 28. <clears throat> okay, let's read the account. Then led they, now these are the Jewish elders, their leaders, from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? 
And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. If you ever wanted a good example of circular reasoning, there it is. What did he do? Well, if he wasn't guilty, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Okay? Um, Where am I at? Verse 31. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put away any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. Do you understand how he's going from the judgment hall to the porch and back to the judgment hall? Do you understand how this is going on? And called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of me, thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? Boy, a sermon could be preached on that question, shouldn't it? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews, and saith unto him, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And then if you read the other accounts, you'll find he was also guilty of sedition. And during that seditious act, uh, someone was killed, so he was guilty of murder. So three offenses, robbing, sedition, and murder. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put it on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. See, Pilate is going to do everything in his power to get get rid of this political hot potato called Jesus. He found him innocent. He shuffled him off to Herod. He even beat him up and showed him a beaten up Jesus, hoping that would satisfy him. Wouldn't do it. Okay. Uh, even his wife told him, don't get conned by the crowd. Okay. Uh, verse 5. I'm still in John 19, verse 5. Then came forth Jesus wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And Jesus answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. 
Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not? I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all, except it were given from thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath a greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a pat place. There it was called the pavement, but in the Hebrews, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour. This is about noon now. And he saith unto Jesus, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. Then they delivered him, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. <clears throat> I want to look at this from the perspective of the priests. The priests were so filled with hatred that they met themselves coming all during this period. They spent, they arrested him. They had several kangaroo courts. They tried to align false witnesses. They couldn't find witnesses that would corroborate their story. See, the problem was they had a sentence and they were looking for a charge. Do you understand? Usually it goes the other way. You get the charge and you figure, what, 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 what sentence does this charge? No, but they had the sentence and they were looking for a charge to worthy the sentence. And as they went through... <clears throat> The Jews had a law that they weren't allowed to have court in the middle of the night. So you know what they did? They waited to 601, and they got together with a bunch of the Sanhedrin, and they had their trial. The trial only lasted a couple minutes. And then they went, and they went to Pilate. C can you imagine that? There's a bunch of priests there. The law is do not... Do do any court proceedings in the night. But all night long, they do this kangaroo stuff, lining up everything. And then at 601, they have their official court case. Guilty, done, let's take them to Pilate. And they go off. It seems like somewhere in there, one priest should have said, guys, we're not supposed to be doing this in the middle of the night. But they didn't. And remember in the um, Matthew account... Judas took the money and threw it back. And the priest said, got the money. And they said, we can't use this money because it's blood money. Y'all, where did the money come from? It came from their pockets. Do you think somewhere in there there was a priest that saw this hypocrisy but was afraid to mention it? The answer is Yes. And they said, we cannot go into the judgment hall because we will defile ourselves. But what about all the lying you did in the pre-courts? What about finding, looking for a charge to justify a sentence? Don't, wasn't there a priest in it? Why would the priest do that? And the reason was is they got bullied. They got bullied. 
Have you ever been in a position like that? It could be at work. It could be in school. It could be just about anywhere. Have you ever been bullied like that? Just because of the majority rule? So when I look at this, the priest used portions of the law. They took what was convenient to them to serve their purpose, but they never were in the spirit of the law. May Lord help us from ever being in that position of being on the priest's side, having so much hatred that we're picking and choosing Bible verses just to get something done. Guys, the end never justifies the means. We've got to do things according to God's word. And we've got to be bold enough to stand up against people when we see that going on. Whether it be a nation, whether it be a school, a public school, a private school, it doesn't matter. We've got to be able to stand up. <coughs> now what I'd like to do, is this is the fun one. I would like to look at this particular account from Barabbas' standpoint. Because Barabbas has been caught by the Roman government and he was guilty and he was tried and he was sentenced and he's sitting on death row waiting for his execution, right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting on the, um, the, the historians and archaeologists on this one, okay? And this is where I've gone outside Scripture for a second. But according to all that, they say the way Pilate's compound was set up, they had kind of like a, uh, um, like, a, like a patio, and around it was all the buildings, and there was a jail there, and there was a judgment hall, and there was this quarters there. Got it? So you've got this mob outside the judgment hall, and you got Pilate in the jail cell. And when you look at the words, think what the crowd is yelling. Okay? Pilate asks them, who shall I release? And the crowd goes, Barabbas! Okay? My thought is, he doesn't hear the question, but he hears their answer. Right? And then, Pilate says, what should I do with Jesus? And the crowd goes, crucify him! Now, you're, I'd like to try this experiment. I'm just teasing. Richard, you want to go in the cry room for a second? No, I'm just teasing. But if I put Richard in the cry room, and I asked you all, who's in the cry room? And you go, Richard, right? And then I say, what did Paul say do to the guy in 1 Corinthians 5? And you would say, exclude him, right? And I take off my mic, and he doesn't hear my question, but he hears the answer, and all he hears is, Richard, and exclude him. And the crowd going, exclude him, exclude him. Well, that's what Barabbas heard. So he's in this jail cell, and he hears this being yelled from the crowd, Barabbas, crucify him. And all of a sudden, here come the guards. And they're coming down the stone corridor. And you, you can imagine those Roman soldiers with all their heavy armory, the clanging going on, the stone corridors. And he hears them coming in, and all of a sudden the key goes into this jail cell, and it opens up, and the door opens up. And he, he's been tried. 
He's on death row. He knows the day is today of his crucifixion. The door opens up, and he says, I'm getting it now. I deserve it. I know I did it. And all of a sudden, those guards walk in, and they say, beat it. And I'm Barabbas, and I'm thinking, ah, you want me to run so you can get me for escape so you can shoot me, right? He says, "Uh uh-uh, beat it, you're free. What happened? I'm not sure what happened, but some guy named Jesus is going to the cross for you. Beat it. If I'm Barabbas, I'm running, and I'm running hard and as fast and as far as I can before they change their mind, right? Because that's all he knows. My friends, that's probably the way you felt the first time you heard grace. Amen? I did it. I'm guilty. I deserve the sentence. I'm free? Why am I free? Some guy named Jesus went to the cross for you. That's the gospel. So that's this account from Barabbas. He's very, very ignorant. Amen? So we've looked at it from the perspective of the priest. We looked at it from the perspective of of, of Barabbas, let's look at it from the perspective of Pilate now. Pilate. You know, this guy, <clears throat> he gets, he, he, he's, a, he's a Roman officer, and, and this is my speculation, I admit it, but there's Rome, and there's all the civilization, civilization, and that's where family is, and that's where all my country people, and he gets this assignment to go to Jerusalem with these people that are always causing trouble. I'm probably, I'm thinking, he's thinking this, excuse my life, but he's thinking this is a hell hole, right? This is a terrible, terrible assignment. And I've got to go down, and he's down there, and he says, how many years do I have to serve before I get out of here? Two years, three years, I don't know how long it is. What's going to get him out there the quickest possible? The answer is doing a good job. Well, in his mind, what's a good job? Just no civil unrest, the least amount of civil unrest possible, the better for me because I can get out of here as soon as possible. That's what he's thinking. So he's in this situation. Someone shows up in his, in his courtyard 6.05 in the morning, and he's looking at these people, and he's interrogating this man, and it says right there in Scripture he can't find anything wrong with him. And he's looking at these people, and this is just a bunch of jealous, screaming bullies. And he's trying every which way to let Jesus go, but they won't let him go because they're threatening a riot. So he goes through this whole thing and, 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 and he interrogates them a half a dozen times. If you put all the accounts together, he's going back and forth to the priest at least a half a dozen times. And each time he says, innocent. Wife says he's innocent. Herod says he's innocent. And all of a sudden, they're just saying, Pilate, if you don't crucify this guy, you're going to have a civil unrest on your hands. So what does he do? He caves in to peer pressure. This time, the mob swayed all the other priests. But the mob was also able to influence a government official. Has that happened in the last two years in America? Where a screaming crowd influenced government officials that they knew was wrong? There's nothing new under the sun, y'all. Not at all. So here it is, and he says, okay. And I always get a big kick out of this. He ceremonially washes his hands. I'm washing the blood clean of myself. 
It's still your responsibility, pilot. You're to judge judicially, honestly, fairly, and you just gave the man a sentence of death for an innocent verdict. No way around it, but he did it. Why? Because he caved under peer pressure. Why did the priests choose Barabbas? Why? Envy. Well, why did they want to crucify Jesus? You know what the bottom line was? He was a better preacher than them. Why did Pilate execute Jesus? It was his political career too. It was self-serving. You know, we're going to go through this and we're going to look at the mob, we're going to look at the Pilate, we're going to look at the priests. Everybody was serving for self-purposes except Jesus. He was other-purposed. Amen? He let this happen to him. All right, let's go to the final perspective I want to look at, and that's the mob. That's the mob. Now, now they know very, very little. Now, this is where um, I don't want to get too much into other subjects because I don't want to chase other rabbits, but, but it's really important to understand this. <clears throat> This is where I differ from a lot of folks. I believe we're talking about a Wednesday. We're not talking about a Friday. And on this particular Wednesday, the very next day is the Passover Sabbath. They're not hustling to get all this stuff done because a regular old weekly Sabbath, which is just Saturday, they're hustling to get all this stuff done because it's a Passover high Sabbath. Okay, and I'm still not done reading this. Matter of fact, let's do that right now. So I'm in John 19. Let's read just a little bit more. Verse 13. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought, I think I'm going to need my Bible for this one. Let me go to verse 16. I'm going to go to John 19. I'm going to start reading here, verse 16, verse, verse 13. It says, uh, he sat down on the judgment seat, a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Verse 14. And it was the preparation of this Passover in about the sixth hour. And he said unto the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he them, he him before them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. Let me continue on going in verse 17. Okay. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place, the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, and either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews... For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Let me go over here, and I want to get to the place where I want to go to about verse 23. 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without a seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, Therefore themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, that say, which saith, 
They parted my raiment among them, and my vesture did they cast lots. And we keep on reading, and, and, and there's a couple more sayings on the cross. Now let me skip down to verse 30. I know I'm going fast. I'm sorry. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken. So they're hurrying up because the Sabbath had a, I mean, the Passover had a high Sabbath, and on the high Sabbath, they were hustling to get Jesus in the ground because they didn't want him on the cross during the high Sabbath. So as they were doing this, I want you to think of this whole transaction from the people's point. They were in bed when the Jews were doing all the wrangling. They were just getting up, or probably still in bed, when they went to Pilate for the very first time. They were not there when they got shipped to Herod. Herod ships them back, and all of a sudden the multitude that's going to town and getting ready for the high Sabbath, all the things that are required of a Passover, a Passover high Sabbath, they're going to town and taking care of all the business. And they're looking, and they're seeing these priests on the porch of Judgment Hall. What's going on? Not once did they hear Jesus' testimony. Not once did they see Jesus beaten to a pulp. He got beaten up by the Jewish soldiers. He got beaten up and mocked by Herod's soldiers. And he got beaten up and mocked by Pilate's soldiers. You don't, you, you don't read that when you just read one account. You got to read all four. So there he is, just a bloody mess. But they never see it. Jesus is going to Pilate. Pilate's going to the Jewish priest. The Jewish priests are telling them what their agenda is. They never get first-hand account. Y'all, you have a first-hand account. See, that's one of the reasons that drove me to reading my Bible for the first time. I'm not bashing anyone. I just grew up in the order where that order said, y'all don't need to read the Bible. Don't worry, we'll take care of it. We'll tell you what you need to know. That scared me. Y'all, you've got a precious gift. You have got the Word of God. Just let me put it in perspective. Before the invention of the printing pest, think about it. How much money do you make in two months? Whatever that, you know, whatever that number is, keep that number, two months. How much money, whatever that number is, would you pay that much for a copy of the Bible? That's how much a Bible costs before the invention of the printing pest. Now you can get a copy for the change in the ashtray of your car. Because that's what I use it for. Okay? You get a copy of the Word of God. And you can read it. Did you know in the Dark Ages, that's one of the things that would got you killed in Europe? Owning a copy of the Bible. You don't have to worry about that. I know, but when you're out in public, you still go like this and hide it when you're in public, aren't you? Why do we do that? But we have the Word of God. 
We don't have to have it go to a man to go to another man who spoons feeds it to us. We can go directly to the source. Y'all, y'all always demand of me, book, chapter, and verse, Brother Dolph. You will never offend me when you go book, chapter, and verse. Y'all, okay? This, this is serious stuff. And, and, and we should do that of anyone. Okay? So, so <clears throat> here's the crowd. And, and somewhere in that crowd, I, I just got to believe somewhere in there saying, yeah, but all I ever saw Jesus do was feed people. Why are we killing them? And somewhere in their crowd, there had to be someone that said, all I ever saw Jesus do was heal people. Why are we yelling crucify him? But somehow, they got whooped up into the frenzy where they were saying, let Barabbas go and crucify Jesus. It's interesting. I was doing a little bit of homework on Barabbas' name. Now, if you know your New Testament at all, you know that the word bar is like saying son of, right? It's like if someone was here and their last name was Jackson, that would mean son of Jackson. Or if someone was here named Anderson, I mean his father's name was Anderson, or Johnson, and his father's name was Andrew. It's like Simon Barjona. That means Simon, son of Jonah. That's how they did it. I guess if you were Irish and it was uh, MacArthur, you would say John MacArthur was John, son of Arthur. And that's just the way the language it is. Well, in this particular case, there's a man named Barabbas. This guy was son of Abbas. Does anyone know what the word Abba means? Father. You know what Abbas means? It's a father in Israel. Got it? Barabbas was the son of a big shot Jew. So, that means Baraba took the place of Barabbas because Jesus was son of the father. Amen? Jesus is Baraba. And he died for Barabbas. I'm, this is just purely speculation. I'm wondering when they said, who should we release? Well, let's pick Barabbas because we know George over there and he's worried about his son getting killed. I don't, this, this, it's all speculation. But he's, he's a three-time loser. Robbery, sedition, and murder. And someone in that crowd was able to keep his mouth quiet to say the guy that only fed and healed people is going to die for the guy that's a murderer and a robber and a sedition. How do you get to a point where you can be coerced that way? Well, they were. And, you know, I can go, this is way before my conversion, but I would hate to think of some of the stupid things I did. That's right, Bethany, I said the word stupid in the pulpit. Some of the dumb things I did as a middle school student. There was, there was kids that got picked on because they were different. Nice kids. 
They'd come in, maybe move from somewhere else. Maybe they talked a little differently. Maybe they wore a little different clothes. Maybe their ears were a little bit big. And the crowd made fun of them. And you know what? In middle school, I was a coward. I don't remember standing up for any of those people I should have stood up for. And here is a whole multitude, and I don't see any standing up for Jesus Christ. Now, if we were in the Middle East and we were threatened with death, death, yeah, I can see why you'd have reservations. But so far in America, what are we really threatened by? Being called goofy, huh? Strange, weird, peculiar people. Isn't, isn't that what our risk is? Our country, it could change. But even it changes, I hope we'll be strong enough to stand up to it. All right, let's give me, let me give you some final thoughts. Number one, Pilate, Barabbas, and Jewish leadership compared and contrasted with Jesus. Pilate, Barabbas, and the priests, all their actions were self-preserving. Jesus was the only one that was other-preserving. Pilate was guilty of perverting judgment. Barabbas was guilty of murder and robbery. The priests were guilty of witness tampering. And Jesus was guilty of preaching the truth. Compare those. Pilate did not know God. Barabbas ignored God and the priest used God. But Jesus was God. Pilate feared his superiors. Barabbas feared death. The priest feared lost standing. And Jesus feared disappointing God. Wow, look at those. Which one most resembles you at work or in school? Okay, the multitude. The multitude followed men. Jesus followed God. The multitude were quick to shout. Jesus was slow to speak. The multitude were uninformed and acted without hesitation. Jesus was informed and refrained his actions. The multitude prepared themselves to observe the Passover. Jesus prepared himself to be the Passover. And then finally, the Jews, we will assume the wrong done to them. Jesus will assume the wrong done by them. Bottom line, Jesus to the multitude, he's more reliable that direct flow, Jesus directly to the multitude, is more reliable than Jesus to Pilate, to the priest, to the multitude. Don't trust a chain that long, y'all. The mob mentality ruled both priests and the members, and they coerced Pilate. And whether we realize it or not, just being in the nation we're at, in the times we're at, we think we're strong. But I would really like us to become more alert of how much the culture really does pressure us. We do have opportunities. The problem is, is I don't think we recognize them. We've got used. No, I don't mean go out there and being this loud screaming person all the time. But you'll have your quiet opportunities. But the funny thing is, when everything's said and done... The priests needed a substitute. Amen? Barabbas needed a substitute. The multitudes needed a substitute. 
And even Pilate needed a substitute. And we got him, and his name's Jesus Christ. So if, if you're really getting around the gospel for the very first time and you're understanding that, and if you've read what the God thinks of sin, he's a holy God, he's a just God. You're sitting in that jail cell, you're condemned, and you're waiting the execution. But then the door creaks open, and you're thinking, okay, I'm getting what I deserve. And you get the message, no, you're not getting what you deserve. Jesus is getting what you deserved. And you can go free. There is no record of what Barabbas did. I don't know if he ran as far as and fast as he could. I don't know if he doubled back to see who took his place. I don't know if he hurt anyone ever came up to him afterwards and told him about Jesus, the man that took his place. I don't know if it affected him, it made him feel guilty, made him feel happy. Made, I, I, I don't know. We, we, we just don't know. Amen? But you know what our duty is? If we come across a Barabbas, we needed to tell him about the guy that took his place. That's our job. We're not going to do the substitution. It's some, an act that Jesus has done and our job is to tell him about the person that stood in his place. Jesus not, was not a criminal that just ran out of tricks and finally got caught. He willingly offered himself and was arrested and allowed them to pick him up. Matter of fact, I think it's so funny when I read that account in John 18. When they came to him at night <clears throat> and they said, we're looking for Jesus. And he said, that's me. I am he. Remember what happened to the guards? They fell down. And he said, get up. Who are you looking for? Jesus. He says, I told you, that's me. These disciples of mine, let them go. You're looking for me. And he went willingly. It wasn't a criminal that ran out of tricks. He offered himself. He could have called down 12 legions and God escaped. He could have spoke the word and had him fall down again but he willingly offered himself in our place. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. And because of that, because of that gratitude, I hope we don't succumb to mobs and peer pressure. Amen? Thank you for your attention.